Glad you're here this morning. I turn your attention to Psalms chapter 121. Psalms chapter 121. And we begin reading in verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth It's nice when your help is coming from the one who makes heaven and earth. You don't want to have help from somebody that can't really do anything for you. But David said, I found this help comes. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He doesn't ever doze off. He's always on the clock. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out. And thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. There's no statute of limitations to the preserving power of our God. You're going out and you're coming in. There's one verse in Revelation that I want to read that sort of ties all this together and what we want to talk to you about today. It's found in chapter 10 and verse 6. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 6. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. This God that created heaven and earth and everything in between, All that it inhabits, even the sea and everything in the sea. This great, mighty, powerful, omniscient God said there shall be time no longer. What a powerful God that can speak to time and say, you're done. Like one old southern preacher said, you don't serve a puny God. You serve a great big God. Oh, hallelujah. I want to speak this morning on this subject, 24-7. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. The tyranny of time. How many of you ever heard that statement? The tyranny of time. It's a statement that most people in first world country like United States of America can understand and relate to tyranny being that that rules. We seem to be ruled by the almighty clock, don't we? And if you ever find yourself not appreciating it, just go to a place where they don't care about time and try to see if you can get anything done. Good luck. But there are times whenever I'm in cultures that are not overly occupied and possessed with the concept of time, and it is refreshing until you have to register your car. And as one missionary explained to me in the country of Malawi, it takes three days, eight hours a day of standing in line to register your car to get a sticker on the windshield. When we came into that country, we we stood in line for several hours to get a visa. We stood in another line for another hour and a half uh, to get a sticker for that visa. Then we got out of that line and we went in another line and waited another hour and a half to pay for the sticker in the visa. Meanwhile, our luggage is going round and round and round. 
We're hoping it doesn't disappear. But time has a way of sort of orchestrating our lives. We have to be at work on time, school on time. We're always in a hurry. We're always rushing the clock. We're trying to make our appointments on time. And, and we're always in a hurry to get to wherever we're going. I told him in the first service it was, it was kind of refreshing to be in a smaller town, a little town up in central part of the state, a little town by the name of Bellevue that I don't know how many people live in that town, but it's not that many. And uh, we had a, a funeral there on Friday. And as we were driving to the cemetery on a two-lane road, cars were getting off the road. And they, like cars that were coming the other direction, they were all pulling off the road. And I thought, how refreshing is that? And my mind went back to several times that I've, I've been with the funeral director and they've gone out into the intersection of Malabar and, and uh, Emerson uh, to stop traffic and almost get run over. One time I was out there with Mr. Bugs, who's the director of Bugs Funeral Home. He, I was in his car with him, and he had a light, you know, some light that he had bought down in Fort Lauderdale somewhere. And he put it up there on the top of the car, and, you know, and, 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 and started flashing. And he got out and started waving, trying to get traffic to stop. And, man, people are, you know. And we're trying to get this funeral procession to pull out there, you know. And one guy come flying down Malabar, you know. Hey, He's like cussing and waving his fist and all that. I'm like, what's the matter with people? And a couple of weeks later, I was running late for something. And I was trying to get around the corner. And all of a sudden, I ran into a funeral procession. I went, oh, no, a funeral procession. <laughs> I didn't cuss, though. I promise I didn't. <laughs> but time is our master. I mean, the clock is always ticking. Even when we sleep, we go to bed thinking about time. If I go to sleep... Right now, in the next 10 to 15 minutes, I can have six hours of sleep. We wake up thinking about time. If I hit the snooze button for just five more minutes, and then it's five more minutes, and then if I do that one more time, 15 minutes, I'll still have 30 minutes to get ready for work. And it's always before us. When I graduated from Bible school at 20 years old, and I started to evangelize with my friend who was my youth leader here in this church growing up, we uh, wanted to make business cards. Now, we didn't have personal computers back there. Or cell phones. My daughter asked me if we had cars. Yes, we had cars in the 80s. How old do you think I am, Sophia? But um, she just can't imagine a world without cell phones and computers. But we did. We wanted to make business cards to let people know we were in the business of evangelizing. So um, we set up a little Bible and we had it stand up like this, you know, vertical. And we found one of those old, like, uh, conductor type stopwatches. We put it right there and put a little black thing behind it. We took pictures of it, took it to a printing place. This is what you did in the old days. Took it to a printing place and, and, um, took the picture. And anyhow, we made little business cards and the top of the business card said, it's time for revival. Evangelist David Myers, Chris Rossetti. We passed them all out everywhere we could go. But apparently not everybody felt like we did. Other people felt like it's time for something other than revival with Myers and Rossetti. But time is still a central part of everything that we do. A friend of mine gave me a book for um, a few years ago. He thought it would be helpful for me to read. And on the cover it said, How to Manage Your Time Better. And I said, That looks like a wonderful book. I'd love to read it, but I just don't have the time. We'll try it again. It didn't work in the first service. But you may be a more intellectual crowd today on this 1030 service. When I was in elementary school, a teacher said to me, time flies. I said, I can't. They're too fast. That was about the response of the first service. Our time is measured with a 24-hour clock. The Jewish clock is measured in hours of daylight and watches for the night. Originally from Scripture, we see in the Old Testament that the Jews had three watches in the evening of four hours each, starting at 6 p.m. and ending at 6 a.m. But when the Romans took over, it was changed to four watches of three hours. And we see that in the New Testament. The first watch, the second watch, the third watch, the four watch. It's 
the nighttime hours. It goes all the way back to whenever they were in the wilderness and they had to have watches at night and so forth. But starting in the morning, the hours are ticked by. So sometimes you'll see in Scripture the first hour of the day, the second hour of the day, the third hour of the day, as Acts talks about, which was only 9 o'clock in the morning. But regardless of what culture you're in, regardless of what the measuring device is, we're all trying to find a way to harness this 24-hour day. And even though they may be classified in different ways, it's still a 24-hour cycle. And we know from Scripture that one day, the Bible says, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Everyone. Doesn't matter if you're a king or a pauper. Doesn't matter what your socioeconomic level is. Doesn't matter uh, the, your nationality, how you speak. Doesn't matter where you're from, who your daddy was. Everybody, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that He is Lord. No exemptions, no exclusions, no exceptions. Everybody! But our master on this earth and in this culture is not so much a person as it is a thing, an inanimate object, time. I propose to you today that not only will every knee bow, but also every force that is in this universe will bow down to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Even time has to give up its preeminent position in our world and in our lives. This time, this ruler, this master, this, this thing that is more important than money because we'll spend money to save time. This ruler, this tyranny of time will meet its match. And one day, the Lord will say, you're done. That's hard for us to get our brains around. But that's how great of a God you serve. And when I think about a God that controls time, it is an encouragement to me because I'm reminded that God can handle any situation that I'm facing and that you're facing. John, the revelator, he saw when time ceased. He saw that this tyranny of time had to lay down its crown and bow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if time has to bow, don't you think that David was right when he proclaimed, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore? Ladies and gentlemen, he's got your back 24-7. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 30, 31 days a month, 365 days a year, every day of your life. God doesn't go on vacation. God's not asleep. God doesn't slumber. God doesn't take vacations. The enemy can't sneak up on you while God's distracted with something else in heaven. He doesn't delegate your protection to a group of angels. He is God on the job. He is God on the clock. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's an ever-present help in a time of need. And he's been directed every moment of your life. Life. I propose to you today that there's not anything that's happened in your life that God's not aware of. And there may be gaps in some of your lives when you wondered where God was. But I'm here to tell you that even the evil He can turn to good. I'm sure as Joseph was in prison from a false accusation from Potiphar's wife, he began to wonder, where was God? Where were you, God, when I was sold into slavery as by my brothers? Where were you, God, when I was falsely accused? Where are you, God, now that the baker and the butler have forgotten me and I'm stuck in this prison? Where are you, God? But 24-7, God was positioning Joseph because God can see the beginning to the end. You may not understand the trial that you're facing, but I'm here to remind you that God's got your back. God sees you're coming and you're going. And God is in charge of every second of every day. 
Don't you think that Paul was right when he recorded in Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God? He said not death, not life, not angels, not principalities, powers, things present, things to come. Not height, not depth, nor any other creature. Nothing can stop and separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the power of God to preserve you. I, I, I recognize even in my own life that, that many times when I'm trying to get in harmony with God's will, the biggest thing that frustrates me is that I can't seem to get time to sit on the sidelines. It's like we... In our humanity, we know we have a shelf life. And so time governs everything that we do. When are you going to move, God? I've been praying for four years. Because time doesn't stop for us. But ladies and gentlemen, you're serving a God whose ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And He... Has always been on time, though he does not wear a watch. He wasn't late when he got to Lazarus' tomb. Lord, if thou would have been here, he would not have died. He's right on time. Because he's not just a God that can heal. He's a God that can raise from the dead. Oh, Lord, I wish I'd have known about you when I was 12 years old. Oh, my friend, you're right on time. You're right where God intended for you to be. He intended for you to be in the house of God on this second day of May in 2021. To lift up your hands and your voice and say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He knew where you were. He directed every step. We already have precedent, even if you don't want to believe John the Revelator, we've already got precedent for the master of the universe suspending time. Joshua records, he asked God to suspend time as they fought the enemy, the children of Israel fought the enemy in the wilderness and they were out there and they said, oh, if the sun goes down, they're going to escape. And so Joshua asked the Lord to suspend time and the Lord did. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that? Because the Bible says it. Oh, that's not good enough for you need more than the Bible? In 1970, a NASA computer programmed to calculate planetary and lunar positions in the future and in the past came to a halt. The scientists were amazed when the computer put up a red signal, which meant there was something wrong. As the scientists examined the data, they said, we have found there's a day missing in space in elapsed time. Well, you don't believe that either. You're going to have to go Google it on your phone, aren't you? <laughs> they called in biblical theologians. They said, oh yeah, this must have been when God honored the prayers of Joshua in suspended time. And they went back and they said, well, that does kind of calculate. It did happen about that time. They went back in history. They studied when Joshua lived. And the scientists began to examine the data. And they said, it was about that time frame. But the problem is, it was about that time frame whenever we lost 23 hours and 20 minutes. It wasn't a full 24 hours. The computer indicated that the elapsed time during Joshua's day was just 23 hours and 20 minutes. It wasn't a whole day. And someone found a King James Version Bible and they began to read and they said, well, it says about a day. So it was approximately a day. It maybe didn't, it didn't stop for a full 24 hours. It was just for 23 hours and 20 minutes. And the scientists went back and examined the data again. They said, there's still 40 minutes that are missing. That must be some inconsistency. There's got to be something wrong with Scripture. We've run the data, the computers, we've gone over and over and over. There's still 40 minutes of elapsed time that's not accounted for. Then somebody remembered in 2 Kings 20 when Isaiah made the shadow of the sun return backward 10 degrees. Do you know how long is 10 degrees when you move it back? 40 minutes.
<laughs> you don't just serve a powerful God. You serve a precise God. Oh, He can move heaven and earth, but He also can direct every second of every day. He is a precise God that knows where you are, knows what you're struggling with, knows every prayer. The Bible said He knows the number of hairs on your head. So God's already proven that He can push the pause button. And if He can push the pause button, He can push the stop button. And time be no more. You say, why is it important? Because time is what eventually gets all of us. Hollywood actors and actresses can't stop time. Oh, they hate it. Oh, they get older and they try to recapture the beauty of their youth. And they've got surgeons that are pulling and pushing and tugging it. And they just walk around with a surprised look on their face all the time. World-class athletes can't stop the advancement of time. Oh, Tom Brady's in his 40s. He's still winning Super Bowls. It's got to be his workout. It's got to be the shakes, the smoothies that he makes. No, eventually time gets all of us. Even if you're Tom Brady. Even if you're Elizabeth Taylor, showing my age now. Time takes all of us to a place of diminished capacity and eventually, we don't want to talk about it, but it's the grave. Time rules. Or does it? <laughs> oh, I, I have no other motive today other than to just talk about how great God is. I, I think about how powerful forces are in our life. And then I go into scripture and I see that God's greater than the greatest force. He's greater than our sickness. He's greater than our depression. He's greater than our problems, our trials. He's greater than sin, disease, death, time. It doesn't matter what it is. You serve a great and a mighty God. Hallelujah. That has all power in heaven above and in earth beneath. But he's not just a great God. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. Do you have a few moments this morning? Since the clock has 24 hours, let's look at the number 24 for just a moment. Because in Scripture, 24 is the number of completeness. It's the number of completeness. Twelve tribes of Judah in the Old Testament. Twelve apostles in the New Testament, the establishment of the church. The church of the Old and the New Testament, 24, completeness. Twelve stones put in the Jordan River when it miraculously opened and the children of Israel came over into the promised land. And twelve stones used to build the altar on Mount Carmel by Elijah when God answered by fire, proving that he's the God of water and of fire. He's the God that can deliver you and save you. And He's also the God that can restore you. He's the God of deliverance and repentance. Twelve oxen and twelve lions in Second Chronicles, the sacrifice and the victory. Twenty-four letters in the Greek alphabet. The first is Alpha and the last is Omega. But before we go there, consider the fact that these 24 letters of the Greek alphabet, they were this alphabet that was sort of the root for so many different languages and the alphabet that is the cornerstone. And yet we read in Scripture that our God is the Alpha and the Omega. 
the beginning and the end. He's directing your coming and your going and everything in between. He's the Alpha and the Omega and every letter in between, even the Greek alphabet, everything is complete, but it's completely in His control. I've come to tell you, you may be in an uncertain season in your life where you feel out of control. I've come to to remind you that you may feel out of control, but God's not out of control. God's got you in the palm of His hand. God's got you in the cleft of the rock. God's got you under the shadow of the Almighty. 24-7. God is walking with us. Every day, 24-7, God is by our side. Now, consider this scenario for just a moment. John the Revelator, who was John the Apostle, who wrote the Gospel of John and then also Revelation. They could not kill John. They tried. They even boiled him in oil. And he just come out with a a good suntan. You say, Pastor, that you can read Fox's Record, you can read history. It'll record it for you. They tried everything they could. Finally, they just put him on the Isle of Patmos, which is just a big rock out in the middle of the Mediterranean. They just put him out there and just said, we're just tired of dealing with you. You just go out there and live until you die. Oh, he's out there just sitting around on the rocks. Fighting the seagulls. God opens up heaven. I'm going to tell you something. It don't matter where you're at. God can come down and just give you a one-man show. Opened up the heavens. John, I better find something to write with. And started writing and we get the book of Revelation. Now I want you to think about this. John is on this island called Patmos, and it's it's during this tyranny of Rome, this this nation that ruled, that dominated the world. And they tell us that Rome had the emperor, who was seen really as a god, had twenty-four delegates. And these twenty-four delegates, they went out and they they were in charge of collecting the tribute from all the conquered nations, and they were they were a rough bunch, and, and they would hire. We see in the Bible people that were uh, hired, you know, even, even like Matthew, the course that converted and the Lord came his way. But and they, they would hire people of that nationality. They would pay them money to collect the taxes from their own people. And those people were hated. We see that Zacchaeus, you know, we we, we read about how that these uh, they, these these individuals were were hated by their own people, but they were hired by the Roman government. And collecting taxes was something that um, was very uh, it, it wasn't done in some sort of what we would consider a civilized manner. Uh, it, it, many people were hauled off. They couldn't pay their taxes. They would uh, crucify them. They would torture them. They ruled with an iron fist of death and destruction. And these 24 delegates were feared by the then known world. Rome was feared. The emperors considered a god. And they're going out throughout all the land. And yet, here's John on the Isle of Patmos in exile. But the Lord rolls back the heavens. And John says, I see a, a sea of glass. And I see 24 elders that are sitting around the throne. They didn't have a throne, there's only one throne. But they were around the throne. Ladies and gentlemen, God is bigger than your biggest problem. The Lord shows John 24 elders in heaven. I know your world is being run by 24 delegates from Rome. But heaven is a different story. Gath had a giant, the Bible records, that had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, which means he had 24 digits, fingers and toes. He was big, tall, and mean, but God 
had a worshiper with a slingshot called David. <laughs> I don't care how big and bad and hairy your problem looks. All God needs is somebody that will use their mouth and say, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I don't have six fingers and six toes, but I got a God, hallelujah, that can speak to time and say, Sit down. I got a God that can speak to the winds and the waves and say, Sit down. I got a God that's got 24 elders in heaven that are Casting their crowns before the throne. Mm. Wow. He's 24 elders. The Bible said they're clothed in white. They had crowns of gold. And they're all around the throne. This 24, this, this number of completeness. Is throwing their crowns before the throne. Everything in life wrapped up in 24 elders, 24 hours, whatever you want to put it on, it all comes up under the power of your God and my God. Because they cast their crowns even as time is going to have to cast its crown. Even as sin has to cast its crown. They had to cast their golden crowns before the throne. And the Bible says that they fell on their faces and worshiped God. I've come to tell you, I don't know what situation you're facing, uh, but I've come to tell you that one day it's going to bow before your God and my God. Uh, I don't know what individual may be causing problems for you, uh, but I've come to tell you, your God is greater than any individual, any situation, any circumstance. Uh, if He's greater than the clock, uh, He's greater than my problems. Uh, if He's greater than time, uh, He's greater than my sickness. Uh, if He's greater than death, uh, He can do anything. And these 24 elders, they, they begin to worship God. And here's what they say. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. For your pleasure, they are and were created. These 24 elders have got the same revelation that David has as he spins the words of Psalms 121. Everything, heaven and earth and everything that's in it, it's all going to give praise to God. Oh, my friend, if time is going to worship God, if the 24 elders are going to worship God, if the stars worship God and the trees, you and I that were created in His image, that He breathed into us the breath of life and breathed upon us again when He filled us with the Holy Ghost, are you going to let some bat with your wife steal your praise today? Are you going to let a bad telephone conversation with a co-worker on Thursday morning ruin your Sunday praise? You're going to let some situation cause you to be in the house of God today, stay bloated up like a big toad frog? Because God didn't check your Christmas list of what all you wanted for Him to do for you this week. He's God all by Himself. God don't have to do anything for me. God doesn't have to do anything for you. He's worthy of our praise because of His excellent greatness. David said in Psalms 150, praise Him in the sanctuary. You've been praising Him for His mighty acts. You praise Him because of what He's done in your life. But sometimes you got to just praise Him for His excellent greatness. you got to just say, Lord, I praise You because there's nobody like You. There's no other God. 
Come on, you ought to take a little bit of time and praise Him with your mouth. Jesus, Jesus, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, Mm. Somebody going to get a revelation. As long as I got breath, I'm going to praise him 24-7. As long as I can clap my hands, as long as I can lift my voice, as long as I'm coherent enough to know that his name is Jesus and that there is none like unto him and that there is no salvation in any other, I'm going to bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that in me is. I'm going to bless him going out. I'm going to bless him coming in. I'm going to bless him at the beginning of the week. I'm going to bless him at the end of the week. I'm going to lift my hands, my heart, my voice. Let everything that hath breath praise him. Mm. The gates of the court of the tabernacle in the wilderness had hangings of blue and purple and scarlet. The Bible describes them, says they were 20 cubits long and they hung on four pillars. (laughs) There's 24 again, a completeness. 20 cubits long and hanging on four pillars made of blue and scarlet and purple. And they hung there at the gates to the courts. And David said, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I'm talking about a 24-hour complete praise. I'm talking about a 20-cubit long four-pillar praise. I'm talking about a praise that's not limited by circumstances, that's not limited by good days and bad days, that's not limited by night and day. I'm talking about a praise that says, as long as I've got breath, I will bless the Lord, oh my soul. I'm talking about a people that get a revelation that I can praise Him in any situation. If He's going to protect me 24 If he's provided for me 24-7, it ought to be an easy thing for us to say, I'm going to bless the Lord 24-7. Even when I don't understand, I can praise him. Even when I don't know where he is, like Job, I can say, he knows the way that I take. And when I'm tried, I'm going to come forth as gold. Hmm. Praise him for The completeness of his glory. The completeness of his glory. 24 hour day has, has nature to steer it, to steer those moments, those minutes. 24 hours for the earth to fully rotate on its axis. A little less than that, but because it's angled, it speeds up and goes around and catches up. But the nearest hour, 24 hour. The 365 days of the year are calculated by the full cycle of the earth to rotate around the sun. Again, there's some of that that moves and backs up, and that's why you have leap years and so forth. But there's that consistency. The average lunar cycle of the moon to cycle through its phases, the new moon, the first quarter, the full moon, the last quarter, and then back again, is 29 to 30 days regardless of where you are on earth, thus giving us the monthly calendar. But where does the seven-day week come from? We got the 24-hour day that's measured by the spinning of this earth. We've got the 30-day month that's controlled by the lunar cycles of the moon. We've got the 365 days a year that are controlled by the full rotation of the earth around the sun. But the seven-day week 
has no cosmic control. Where did we get a seven-day week? I've come to tell you this. It's simply anchored in God's Word. Genesis 2. Go back to the beginning. And on the seventh day, God ended His work, which He had made. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Ladies and gentlemen, God established the seven days. And then his word has woven it into the science of our schedule. God established the seven days to complete our work and to establish our rest. He set the ball in motion with the pattern of creation. But it did not stop there because seven is the number of perfection. If 24 is the number of completion, then seven is the number of perfection. And God doesn't need science and he doesn't need the cosmos to line up. All he's got to do is say, that's the seventh day and it's good and it's established. All God has to do is speak and it's established because that's how he established creation. He just spoke the world into existence. All you and I need is for the God of glory to speak. And seven. This number of perfection. That's throughout all of scripture. Jacob worked seven years out of obligation to his father-in-law for his daughter's hand in marriage. But then he worked seven more years out of love for the bride of his choice. Jesus is obligated to the Jews because of his promise to Abraham. But he's coming back for a church. A bride that is spotless and without wrinkle. It's the bride of his choice. He's not stuck with us. He chooses us. A bride that's without spot or wrinkle. Seven, the number of perfection. He perfects us in Christ. Not because of our own ability, but because He is a mighty God. And He's greater than our weakness. His power is greater than our weakness. His goodness is greater than our evil. He is a mighty good God. And He perfects us by His hand. It was seven days after the floodwaters of Noah's ark receded that the dove was turned loose. It was the dove that confirmed to John that Jesus was the Messiah when he was baptized. Jesus was perfected as the lamb in his earthly ministry. He was without sin, the Bible says. He was the dove that flew into our hearts after the judgment of sin and the law that had ruled humanity for all of those years. But here comes the dove that's released from the ark called humanity. And that dove, hallelujah, confirms that there's a God, hallelujah, that robed himself in flesh and gave you and I access to a life living above sin. You don't have to live under the weight of sin. You don't have to live under the weight of anything on this earth. If you know God, you know that one day this mortal will put on immortality. And this corruption shall put on incorruption. And death will be swallowed up in victory. 24 is completion. 7 is perfection. All of it is subservient to God. So that we can say without equivocation today, He's our God 24-7. David had it right. In Psalms 121, I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's always on the clock. 24-7. He doesn't take a minute off. He is not a God that made any mistakes. No, my friend, you're not a mistake. 
You are not here by accident. You are not here because of some cosmic coincidence. You are here because God created you, breathed into you, hallelujah. And He's trying to understand and, and, and put an, rather in our minds an understanding that He wants to redeem us as well. He wants you and I to get a revelation that He's not just a God that saved us. He's a God that can redeem us and restore us as well. David said, the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will preserve thee. Against all evil, He shall preserve thy soul. He's got your back 24-7. He's going to preserve you. There's not going to be any evil that can sneak up on you that God's not aware of. And then He says, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in. From this time forth, and even forevermore. Would you stand to your feet? Mm. Good God of heaven. Oh, do you feel that power presence? Jesus! 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 Huh? I feel in the Holy Ghost that God would have us today just praise Him for who He is. For His excellent greatness. Rather than give God today a laundry list of things we want Him to do. I wonder if there'd be a praise in this house. It comes from the mouths and the voices of God's people. The bride of Christ. The perfecting of the saints. That will say, Lord, I'm going to just bless the Lord. I'm going to just praise you today. I'm not going to try to figure it all out. I know you've got it all in your control. Maybe you want to step out from where you're standing and come down to this front. Maybe you want to stand down at this altar and just lift your hands. Lift your voice. I wonder right now if God's people would just say, Lord, I've just come to praise you. I've got no other ulterior motive. I don't come, Lord, with perfection. I've made mistakes. I'm a human being. But I can bless the Lord this morning. I can praise you for your excellent greatness. You're not just great with power, you're excellent with precision. Ah! When I think of his goodness, oh, let there be a shout in the camp of Israel. Don't wait for the victory, go ahead and praise him now. Come on, you've been walking around the walls for seven days. There's something different about this time. I think 
speak, I'll go ahead and shout unto God with the voice of triumph on this lap.